Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 23. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 23. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. In verse 21, Solomon has spoken of the need to keep sound wisdom and discretion, to be obedient to God's word. Those who do this will walk safely without stumbling. This is a promise of God's special care. The believer will know a protection in his everyday life, denied to the non-believer. Who can have no argument with this? For why should God grant a special protection over those who deny his existence and authority? For the godly, however, there is an earthly, everyday security. Thy foot shall not stumble. In God's providence, holiness has an innate tendency to the avoidance of earthly trouble and suffering, whereas sin always brings trouble with it. Now, this is not to say, of course, that the Christian will never know anguish and adversity. Of course, we do. But for us, our afflictions do not have a punitive aspect to them. The believer knows that God is with him in his afflictions. The non-Christian, in contrast, is far less able to cope with Adversity, seeing himself as a victim in the lottery of life when things go wrong. But the believer has this confidence that he will walk in his way safely and his foot shall not stumble. And this confidence is brought out very much in Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday, Verse 10 of that psalm. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. So at all times, God is employing his angels to watch over the material needs and physical safety of the true 
believer. If we are afflicted, we can draw comfort that God has ordained it. Even if we do not, at the time, understand why. We shall have the peace of knowing that the adversity is not God's judgment, but is rather a disciplining, a chastening of us. Now, with the non-Christian, adversity may possibly be God's judgment. But, of course, the non-believer is blissfully unaware that God can judge him in this life. So he derives no benefit from his difficulties. The Lord is able to stop sinners in their tracks by a stroke of his justice whenever he wishes. Now, we are not, of course, saying that all human suffering is God's judgment. We know that that is not the case. Job, for example, was an upright man, yet he knew great tragedy in his life and much personal sickness. We simply do not know how God is dealing with different people at any one time. But what we do know is that suffering can be God's direct judgment upon sin. And so the non-Christian should tremble at what might at any moment happen to him. The obedient believer, however, has the confidence of knowing that his circumstances have been explicitly ordained by God, including his trials and crises. He knows that God has a purpose of good in them and that he is not suffering from the punitive strokes to which God-rejecting people are so prone. Now, Christians may get caught up in common disasters which afflict all mankind, such as epidemics, war, natural disasters. We, like the rest, live in a fallen world, so we're not exempt from what goes with living in a fallen world. But for us, the afflictions are not our punishment. Now, we just read in Psalm 91 and verse 10 of no plague coming near the dwelling of the believer. Now, this verse states not what must necessarily always happen, but what God is well able to do. 
he is well able to prevent a believer from contracting any particular disease or plague. And so that gives the believer a confidence and a peace of mind which the world does not have. And that's why the churches have needed to be open during the last 15 months. Because where else can the non-believer go to have all his anxiety removed or to put it in a proper perspective? The Lord can protect his own people even in the midst of a general judgment. As he did the Israelites when he sent the plagues upon Egypt. Now the Israelites were living within the boundaries of Egypt, but they did not suffer from the plagues which befell the Egyptians. You see, God discriminates concerning his own people. And none of us realises just how much God is protecting us from danger every single day. We have the angels protecting us if we are believers in Christ. And so we have this promise in verse 23. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. So this is speaking to us of the believer's security in his everyday circumstances. And as we have stated, this does not mean that we shall always be free of adversity. Of course not. And the believer may well suffer precisely because he is being faithful. But the believer's trials will not be the punitive adversity to which the ungodly are exposed. The believer is walking with God's blessing, not with God's hand stretched out against him to make him stumble. So the believer has this confidence that that whatever happens to him, it can only be in God's will. That means we are not wrapped by fear. The great tragedy of the last year or so is to see so many people wracked by fear. Now, in God's world, obedience to his commandments has an inbuilt tendency to a peaceful life. Excluding, of course, the issue of 
persecution. Holiness, by its very nature, as we have said, leads to the avoidance of earthly trouble. For the ungodly, when calamity hits them, well, it's nothing but disaster. But for the Christian, when calamity comes, God has a higher purpose. Working out even tragedies and much suffering for an ultimate good. There are non-Christians out there who over the last 15 months are wishing that the churches had taken more leadership to help them. And explain these things. Solomon writes of the believer in verse 24 here. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Now this is talking about earthly blessings. The Christian has a peace of mind which the non-believer can never know. He knows, for example, that during the night the Lord is watching over him and his house. So he is not troubled by fear of what possibly might happen. In contrast, the non-Christian must, by definition, believe in chance. And that means that the non-Christian will go to extremes to avoid all kinds of chances befalling him. Unnecessary extremes. The non-Christian has to mull over what may or may not be. He does not realise that peace of mind is the gift of God who is able to strike terror into the heart of the wicked. The non-believer does not have the security of believing in the providence of God. He rather thinks that man has to be skillful in manipulating all circumstances and in trying to cover all contingencies. So man takes it upon himself to create the conditions whereby he thinks he will avoid all problems. And so often, when the unbeliever does this, it's, it's frenetic and it's not reasonable. Leviticus 26, verse 36. Leviticus 26, 36. God says, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. And the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword. And they shall fall when none pursueth. And they shall fall one upon another as it were before a sword. 
when none pursue her. And ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies. One of the ways God brings judgment upon unbelieving people is to make them be afraid when there's no need for them to be afraid. That is what the Bible teaches. Make them afraid when there's no need to be afraid. And such fear is the fruit of defying Almighty God who is able to put fear into men's hearts. Psalm 3, the beginning of Psalm 3, we read this. Lord, how are mine adversaries increased? Many are they that rise up against me. We just take a few verses from this psalm. But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. And then David says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustaineth me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of the people that have set themselves against me round about. So note David's great confidence of heart there in Psalm 3. Men were seeking his life. And they were frenetically engaged in that activity. But he could lie down and sleep peacefully. Psalm 4, verse 8. Psalm 4, verse 8. In peace will I both lay me down and sleep. For thou, Lord, alone makest me dwell in safety. Thou, Lord, alone makest me dwell in Safety. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if Britain adopted the truth of Psalm 4, verse 8, in the last 15 months? There is nothing like a clear conscience and the peace of being in communion with God to give one a good night's sleep. In Philippians 4 and verse 6, uh, the Apostle Paul teaches, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So there we are told that earnest prayer leads to peace of mind. And there is no situation beyond the scope of prayer. Prayer is a practical outworking of trusting God. By prayer, we are asserting that God ordains all our affairs. And so prayer is the alternative to overwhelming anxiety. That is why the churches should have been open and never closed. 
We are promised that prayer will facilitate peace in our hearts and minds. A peace which is quite beyond all normal human experience. The knowledge of being reconciled to God and of his watching over us is a priceless gift. Nothing else in the world could compensate for its loss. As we pray, the awareness increases of our circumstances being under God's perfect control. The believer need never wake up in the morning wondering if it's disaster going to hit me today. He knows that all his circumstances are determined by the God who is watching over him. And so Peter says, in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And then we're told in verse 25 here, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. Now here is clear reference to earthly calamity being punitive judgment upon the wicked. As we've stated, it's not always the case and it's not for us to say. But scripture clearly teaches that earthly calamity can be the direct punishment of God. A supreme example of the desolation of the wicked in this manner, being taken away unawares by an earthly judgment, is the flood in the day of Noah. Noah, however, because he heeded God's warnings, was not afraid of sudden fear. That is what we are told. He was not afraid of sudden fear as the vast majority of men around him suddenly became. Now, the people of Noah's day, as they rejected Noah's message, were the sophisticated, progressive, modern people of their time. They fled to higher ground, hoping the waters would subside. But there was nowhere they could escape. Their progressive modernity miserably failed them. Our Lord, of course, teaches concerning this, Luke 17, verse 26. Luke 17, verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. 
Men think that they can ignore God and still carry on with their lives regardless. But it is only those who submit to their maker who shall walk in their way safely. Now when the fierce judgment of God descended upon Jerusalem in AD 70, those who had been persecuting the followers of Jesus Christ lost their temple, their city, and their very nation. They lost everything in God's anger. We are meant to learn from these things. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15. If thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, then all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. How dangerous it is for a nation to ignore God. In Israel's history, when the people were disobedient, God withdrew from them their prosperity and national security and inflicted earthly judgments upon them. Regarding the individual, the Lord inflicted earthly judgments upon David after his crimes of adultery and murder. He inflicted Miriam, Gehazi and Uzziah with leprosy because of their sin. He even struck down dead Ananias and Sapphira when they told lies in the name of Christ. Paul speaks of certain people at Corinth being weak and sickly and even dying, having come to the Lord's table profanely and without repentance. All these are biblical examples of sin leading to earthly judgments, as well as to the final judgment on the great last day. This is the desolation of the wicked, which Solomon speaks of in this verse 25. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh.
Let us go back to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 7. Again, thinking of God's promises towards the believer. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. So again we see God's discriminating protection of his own people. Along with the fact that they will see the wicked being brought down. Which again implies the reality of earthly judgments. Verse 26. For the Lord shall be thy confidence... And shall keep thy foot from being taken. Again, this speaks of the great privilege which the Christian possesses in terms of earthly well-being and peace of mind. The Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. The avoidance of sin means the avoidance of so much trouble. God honours those who get their priorities right. He honours them in small but significant earthly ways. Our Lord taught this in Matthew 6 verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, these necessary material things, shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The Lord honours those who honour him in ways that the world would not even begin to imagine. For example, Now, the world would laugh at this, but who can tell what earthly blessings come to the man of God who keeps the Sabbath day holy? Earthly blessings. The world thinks itself wise, liberated, commercially skillful, in ignoring the Sabbath day and the Sabbath principle. But those who keep the fourth commandment will probably be, in God's providence, healthier and less anxious people, being refreshed in both body and spirit in a manner of which the world knows nothing. In other words, it's far better to be a Christian on a Monday morning going to work than to be a non-believer who ignores the Sabbath on a Monday morning going to work. The world does not know what it is missing. 
the Lord may choose to bless with prosperity. The business of a man who specifically refuses to trade on this day. Even though all his competitors are doing so. Can you think of a major high street retail store that has dared to uphold the Sabbath principle? No, they've all followed suit. They're missing out. Their employees are missing out. We have to go to work. We live in a nation of anxious, stressed people. Many young people have mental illness. Keep the Sabbath day. That's that's a good start for getting rid of anxiety. Psalm 25, verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The word secret in the original is is literally counsel. The knowledge which God imparts. The righteous have the privilege of God communicating with them, guiding them and confirming them in the right way. So the word secret implies God's special favour to the believer in that the Christian enjoys a unique communion with God. He is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit enables the believer to do that which God desires. The Holy Spirit enables the believer to understand providential circumstances. The believer knows that since Adam rebelled in the Garden of Eden, this world has been afflicted by viruses. The non-believer doesn't know that. The Christian's everyday life is under the protecting hand of God. He watches over our material needs and our physical safety. The believer who pursues holiness will not experience the earthly judgments upon sin to which the non-believer is so prone. The Christian will enjoy an earthly security and peace of mind of which the world knows nothing. For the believer, he knows that his times are in God's hands. The believer has the privilege of God himself communicating with him. So we read in this verse 26, The Lord shall be thy confidence 
and shall keep thy foot from falling. As the old Baptist commentator John Gill writes, the Lord will keep the believer's foot from being taken in the snares of sin, temptation and mischief. In those snares which Satan and the world lay for God's people. Therefore, happy are those who have an interest in Christ, who find him and who enjoy him. So these verses are teaching us about the Christian's glorious privilege of security and peace of mind. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So let us, as believers in Christ, rejoice in our glorious privilege of earthly security and a God-given peace of mind. Amen.